How many of you have ever heard of the love languages? The love languages? Maybe if you're in a relationship or you're married, maybe when you did some uh, premarital counseling, you heard about the love languages. You know, it can be a helpful tool in, in helping you know how to communicate and uh, kind of go back and forth with your spouse or someone that you're in a relationship with. You know, it, it kind of tells us that we all have a way that we like to receive love and a way that we like to give love to other people. Well, my wife, Aloma, she loves to express her love through gifts. She is a great gift giver. I think she's an, I'm a little biased, but I think she's an incredible gift giver. She has this ability to buy you a gift that's extremely practical, something that you're going to use, yet something that you would never buy for yourself. I don't know how she does it, but she's extremely a little embarrassing for me to admit to you, but I'm already at the point uh, with, with our nieces and nephews where like Christmas morning, we just went through the holidays. I'm just as excited for them to open their gifts as they are because I don't, I don't know what we got them either. <laughs> uh, Aloma does all of the gift buying because she's so good at it. I, I'm not as good as she is. And isn't it a great feeling to give a gift that is uh, accepted and appreciated. There, you know, it's, it's, it's more blessed, the Bible says, to give than to receive. And that's true. The older I get, the more I enjoy giving a good gift than even receiving a, get, a good gift. Well, a few years ago, Aloma and I were staying at her parents' place, my in-laws' place. And uh, again, her being, Aloma being her thoughtful self, uh, she noticed that their towels were getting a little bit thin. So she thought, you know what, I should buy my parents a new set of towels, some for them and some for their guests. And so that's what we did. Two years ago at Christmas, we got them a beautiful set of towels, two for them and some for their guests. Well, their Aloma's parents, uh, they received that gift and they were excited for that gift. And you know, it was some months, I want to say maybe even a year later, we were visiting her parents again. And Aloma noticed that the towels were not in use and this bothered such a great gift giver as Aloma. And so she went digging through the linen closets of her parents' house to find them still in the packaging, never being used. In fact, this happened a couple times and she got on her mom, mom, why would you not use these towels? They're beautiful. And she's like, I have perfectly good towels. I'm saving them for guests. And so finally we got so frustrated, we said, all right, we'll use the towels. So whenever we go there, we use the beautiful towels. You say, all right, Levi, why are you telling me a story about towels? You know, nothing frustrates a good gift giver like a gift that's not being used. And so often, I think we treat our salvation like those new towels. A gift that's received with gladness and stored. To be at times remembered, maybe at times even celebrated, but rarely used. Maybe just kept away for a rainy day. An entrance fee to the kingdom of God but not the power of God in our daily lives. Victory over the penalty of our sin, sure, but not victory over the presence of our sin every single day. And so today I want to speak to you, as you can see on the screens, about the risen life. We just sang a song about resurrection life. And I want to speak to us from the book of Colossians about how we can experience and live the risen life. And I want you to know that the risen life in Jesus is not just hope and security for our future but it is joy and peace and victory today. God promises us eternal life, yes, but he also promises us abundant life, something that can be experienced today. Uh, eternal life is not just something of the future, but it's something that if you've put your faith in Jesus, it begins today. He wants you to live eternally and abundantly. And so this morning, I wanna look at how we can live the risen life. 
I believe so many Christians live with a defeatist mentality. You know, if you've been baptized, perhaps you said something like this, you know, raised to walk in newness of life. Yet so often we don't live in newness of life. We've been saved, maybe even baptized, and yet our lives look so, so familiar, so the same as before we've accepted Jesus, the same as every other person in the city of Vancouver who doesn't have the hope of Jesus. Struggling, and maybe you're coming into this new year, and if you were honest with yourself, you'd think, you know what? My Christian walk, my, my relationship with Christ, chances are it'll look a lot this year like it did last year. Sure, you hope for better. You, you would uh, love to see it grow, but you're, if you're honest, you're kind of defeated and, and resigned to the fact that it'll probably look a lot like 2022. Struggling without victory over the same sins, inconsistent in your walk, maybe lacking boldness in your witness. So the question I want to answer this morning from Colossians 3 is, why aren't we experiencing and living in the power of the risen life? So let's look together at Colossians chapter number 3. We're just going to read the first four verses together. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says this, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Let's pray this morning. Father, we are so grateful for the sacrifice that you've made for us. We're so grateful that by faith in you, we can experience resurrected life. But Lord, this morning, as we open up your word, I pray that you would build in each of us a discontentment, a holy discontentment to not be satisfied, to live the way we've always lived, to live without joy or, or peace or victory. But Lord, that we would understand what it means to experience the resurrected life in our everyday walk. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Colossians is written by the Apostle Paul. It's a, it's a, a prison epistle, a letter that was written from prison. And he's writing to believers at the church of Colossae. Chapter one and two is just a four chapter book. Chapters one and two are extremely doctrinal and chapters three and four kind of transition to be very practical. One and two tell us what to believe and chapter three and four kind of tell us how to live it out in our daily life. At the end of Colossians chapter two, for the sake of time, we won't take time to read it, but, but Paul is telling the church, hey, if, if you're a believer, you don't need to live according to the way of the world anymore. There's a certain mindset, a mentality, a way of doing life. And he says, hey, as Christians, you're freed from that. Don't live according to the powers and the teachers and the, the rudiments of this world. And in Colossians 3 and 4, he begins to lay out a, a new way of living, a better way of living. But before we really get to the meat of the message this morning, I, I want to make sure we all understand this. Maybe you came to church today and you're looking for a better way of living. You've tried what the world has to offer and you're sort of at the end of your rope, uh, having no joy, having no peace, having no satisfaction. I want you to know this, and this is so, so very important this morning. This passage and the message of the Bible as a whole, it's not that there's simply a new way to live and a new set of rules or a better set of good works that can lead to that joy and peace and satisfaction. The worst thing that I could do as a speaker this morning is to encourage you to walk out these doors, challenge to work better and do better and strive harder according to what the Bible says to earn your way to a satisfaction and joy and peace in this life. You'd be leaving here with no hope, with no joy. 
striving for something you could never attain. That's why it's so important for us to understand what the first few words of this chapter are. If ye then be risen with Christ. You see, all the practical instructions that are to come in the next two chapters are only possible and applicable to those who have put their faith in Jesus. It's only through the power of the Spirit through us, and it's only if we are his children that we could ever experience this new life. And so if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you're not a child, uh, a son, or a daughter of the King, can I encourage you, don't strive or work. I want to encourage you just to turn to Jesus today. Put your faith in him. But for those of us who are here today and are his children, who have put our faith in Jesus, how is it that we can experience and live in the power and joy and victory of the risen life? I want you to notice number one with me this morning, and my outline is very simple. It's nothing fancy, but it's right here from the text. Number one, seek the things which are above. Seek the things which are above. The word seek is a word that I love in scripture. It's an action word. It's an active imperative, which means it's something that we do and continually do. It means to go after, hard, to passionately pursue. Seeking after the things which are above is something that should be a constant and consistent in the life of the believer. You know, as Christians, it's not just a one and done decision we make, but it's a, it's a pattern of our life that every day as his disciples, we try to follow hard after Jesus and follow hard after his will for our lives. It's a lifelong commitment to pursuing Christ-likeness. The phrase here, uh, to seek the things which are above, it's the same phrase that's found uh, in Matthew chapter 6, which we actually heard about a little bit last night. It's the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching uh, his disciples, and he's teaching them this lesson that there's many things in life that they could make their aim or their goal. There's many things in life that we could passionately pursue. And he mentions a few of them. I think it's interesting the ones he mentions. He mentions this, this idea of provision and protection. He's like, look at, look at the flowers of the field and, and how I, I, I clothe them and, and take care of them and protect them. And look at the birds of the air, how I provide for them. He's like, aren't, aren't you so much greater than these? I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. And he finishes this lesson, this sermon, with these ver- verses in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31. The Bible says, therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. And here's this phrase, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus is teaching his disciples, hey, don't make the goal or the aim or the passionate pursuit of your life provision or protection or financial gain or happiness or pleasure or entertainment. Make the goal and the passionate pursuit of your life, Christ and his kingdom. Seek him first and all of those things will take care of themselves. Our father knows what needs you have. And if you take care of the birds and the flowers of the field, he will take care of you. So I ask you this morning, what is the goal or the pursuit of your life? What are you seeking after? What are you striving towards? What do your New Year's resolutions tell you about the goals or the aims of your life this year. I think most Christians set goals, physical goals, maybe to lose some weight. Uh, Not spiritual, sorry. Physical goals, maybe some temporal goals. Maybe they set uh, financial goals. They set goals in all these areas of their life and they think that in, in seeking after all these things, they'll kind of stumble into spiritual success. 
Well, if physically I'm good and financially I'm good and relationally I'm good, well, well, then I'm sure it'll be a good physical year, a spiritual year. But it couldn't be further from the truth. Matthew 6 says, no, 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 don't, don't seek after, passionately pursue these things of the earth. Make Christ your goal. Seek after him with all your heart and all these other things will take care of themselves. You know, Paul in Philippians teaches us this really important lesson about seeking. And I know uh, Pastor Paul used this passage in his Vision Sunday message. In Philippians chapter three, Paul teaches us this lesson and I want you to really get this this morning. The Christian life is less about performing and more about pursuing. It's less about performing and it's more about pursuing, seeking. You see, the Apostle Paul talks about in Philippians chapter three, his uh, self-righteous religious resume. He gives it for us. He says in verse number four, he says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he might have there whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And here's the resume. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, a tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. If anyone knew about uh, religious performance, it was Paul. He's like, man, I did everything right on the outside. I looked the part. I did the part. I mean, touching the law, blameless. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I'm the cream of the crop. But you see, Paul had an encounter with Jesus and everything changed. He realized that in Christianity was not about religious performance, but it was about pursuing after God with his whole heart. And that's why later in Philippians chapter three, he writes these verses that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm, I'm done with performing. This life is all about pursuing, seeking after Jesus. He tells us that he was apprehended. He was taken hold of Christ. And now his, his goal, his aim was to apprehend, to grab, to lay hold of that which had laid hold of him. So Paul was passionately pursuing God. But the question is, are we this morning? Are you? Don't believe the lie that performing the outward duties of Christianity will lead to victorious resurrection living this year. See what the Bible says here in Colossians chapter one, to seek the things which are above. You know, growing up, uh, I didn't play a lot of video games. I wasn't allowed to play a lot of video games as a kid, but there were a few ones that I was able to play and I, I got a lot of hours in on those ones. And my personal favorite was a PC game and it was called Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Anyone remember that one? My dad even got me the steering wheel that you could kind of clip on to the desk and it had the pedals and so man, it was like a full experience. I used to love that as a kid. You could either be, uh, you could either be chased by the police or you could play the police chasing somebody else. You know, that was a great game, Hot Pursuit. And you know, even just this morning as I was looking over my notes, I thought about that game. Man, what are we in hot pursuit of this morning? Wouldn't it be awesome that our life, the testimony of our life would be that we're, we're in hot pursuit after Jesus. We're seeking after him. So number one, I want to encourage you to seek the things that are above. But number two, from the text here in verse two, to set our affections on things above. The second verse tells us that we're not just to live with passionate hearts, but we're also to live with focused minds. Setting your affections speaks about our minds and setting or focusing our thoughts. And I really believe that this is the key to victory and resurrection, risen life this year. You say, why do you, why do you believe that, Levi? Because the Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 12 and verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, true change in the Christian life always takes place from the inside out, from the inside out. And God, uh, his, his prescription for us is that we would be transformed through the renewing of our minds from the inside out, that we would be strangers on this earth and pilgrims because of the way we think. It's a call to have a biblical mindset, a biblical worldview. It's the same phrase that we find in Philippians chapter two when it tells us to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Setting our affection on things above is really the same as saying, hey, have the mind of Christ. Live in this world, but think like Jesus. Set your affections on things above. So I ask you a second question this morning, not just what are you seeking after, what are you pursuing, but very simply, what are you thinking about? What is it that consumes your thoughts? Maybe if you were honest this morning, it's, it's sinful thoughts. It's anxious thoughts, bitter thoughts, angry thoughts, comparison, perhaps lustful thoughts, insecure thoughts. And maybe it's not sinful thoughts, but it's, it's just busy thoughts. Anyone relate to that? It's just like, oh man, I got projects to do and assignments and I got kids to take to school and lunches to make and I, I got meetings and I'm involved in ministry. I got so much going on and you're just sort of consumed with the, the day-to-day and the busyness of this world that you just have no time for your thoughts to be setting your affections and your thoughts and the things above. You're so consumed with the temporal, the here and the now. I want to give you a very practical challenge this morning. I challenge all of you to take your phones after the message, take your phones out and make, make a reminder for yourself a couple times this week, like random times, a Wednesday afternoon, a Tuesday morning, a Friday at lunch. And just set a reminder that's going to ask you a question, just very simply, what are you thinking about? And just take honest stock between you and the Lord. What am I thinking about? Just do a little experiment. What is it in your free time at work? What is it that's consuming your thoughts when you're driving home from work, when you're going on a walk, when you're watching TV? What is it that we're thinking about? You know, there's a phrase, and it speaks about this balance between being in the world and of the world. And it's a very common phrase. It says this, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And you know, I understand the sentiment of that phrase. You know, keep your feet on the ground and uh, don't, don't get your head in the clouds. I get that. But I got to be honest, for me, that's not really something I struggle with. <laughs> I don't often struggle with being so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. If I was honest with you this morning, I often struggle with being so earthly minded that I'm no heavenly good. So caught up with the busyness of this life and the, and the responsibilities of my day that I don't have time and I don't set my affection and focus my minds on the thing above, things above. I prefer the, the statement or the sentiment of Pastor John MacArthur. He said this, let your preoccupation with heaven govern all your earthly responses. That every decision, every answer, every response we give through our day would be viewed and made through the lens of God and his word and his kingdom and his will for us. That every response we made would be according to heaven. You say, oh, Levi, but, I, but I'm a dad. I'm a mom. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a working parent. I'm a, I'm a boss or an employee. I mean, I, I got responsibilities. I got things to do. I truly believe this, that if we set our affections and focus our minds on the things of heaven, that the responsibilities of earth will take care of themselves. 
That if you're preoccupied with heaven, that you'll be the dad that you need to be. And you're preoccupied with heaven, you'll be the employee that you need to be, and the sibling you need to be, and the church member you need to be, because your every decision you make is governed through the lens of eternity. And so Christian, are you living and experiencing the joy and the victory of risen life? Ask yourself two questions this morning. What am I passionately pursuing? And what am I thinking about? The thing I love about this passage is it doesn't just tell us how to experience risen life, but it also kind of woven in in between these four verses, it tells us a few reasons why we should desire and want to experience new life. And so as we kind of bring things to a close this morning, I want you to notice these with me. I want you to notice, number one, why should we strive to experience the joy and victory of risen life? Number one, because of our past. Look at verse one with me. It says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now look at the first few words of verse number three. For ye are dead. As a follower of Jesus, if you put your faith in Jesus, you are dead unto yourself and alive unto God. Galatians chapter two says this, for I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when when I put my faith in Jesus, Levi Tyrrell died to himself and was resurrected, born again, and alive unto God. And every day I live, every breath I take should be unto the, the glory and the praise of his name. Every day it's not about me anymore. I'm dead, but I'm alive unto God. The fact that I'm here today is because God has a purpose for me and a will for me. You say, why should we be so passionate about living victorious life? Because of the gospel. Because Jesus loved us enough to die for us and and raise again, and we can take part in the resurrection. Man, that's why, because of the gospel. Or because we're saved. Say, number two, why should we strive for a victorious life? Because of our past. We're dead, but we're saved with Christ. But also because of our present. Look what verse three says. You're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. It's a real interesting phrase. Your life is hid with Christ and God. And what does that mean? I think it means a few things. Number one, if we're hid with Christ and God, it means that we're safe from the wrath of God. That Christ is our atonement, our covering. That his blood has uh, paid the penalty for our sin and satisfied the, the wrath of God. And so if we're hid with Christ and God, we are safe and secure from the penalty of our sin. It also means that we've been put in the palm of his hand, that no man can pluck us out, and that if we've put our faith in Jesus, that we are secure with him. We're hidden in Christ, hidden with Christ in God. Praise the Lord for eternal security that we have in Jesus Christ. So because of our present, and as we wrap up here this morning, I want you to see because of our future. You see, one day, let's look at verse four. Uh, Let's read verse four together. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. One day, Christ is coming back, and we will appear with him in glory. All of those who put our faith in Jesus will be resurrected to be with him, a bodily resurrection. I want you to notice these short four, four verses, bookended, front and back, two references to resurrection. If ye then be risen with Christ... 
and then one day we will appear with him in glory. You know, we've trusted in Christ for our, for in his resurrection that we've been saved and raised to new life. We can trust that one day we will take part in another resurrection, a bodily resurrection, and we will appear with him in glory. Let's live like those who are awaiting his return, like those who, who believe that he's coming back and one day we will be with him and see our savior face to face. Why should we live passionate lives of pursuing God? Why should we have focused minds on the things that are above? Because of Christ in our past, Christ in our present, and Christ our glory in the future. He is worthy. And there's a great phrase here that I want to finish with in verse number four. Look, look at it with me as we, as we close. It says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Christ who is our life. I believe one of the greatest mistakes we can make as believers is to compartmentalize our life. Think, well, I got, I got my, my physical life and I got my financial life and I got my relationships and I got, I got my work. And then I'll throw Jesus and my, my walk with him as one of those things. He's, he's kind of one of the areas of my life. And we're pulling in all these different directions and we're trying to add our walk with God as one of the aspects of our life. And, you know, it suffers as we move other ways and it's, it's just sort of a part of our life. Well, no, Jesus is Lord of all. Christ is our life. He's the giver of life. He's the goal of life. He's the sustainer of life. He's the purpose of our life. He's the protector in our life. Christ is our life. Make him the aim of our life. And I believe this, when we live in, in light of that truth, if we walk out those doors this morning and say, Christ is my life, that we will passionately pursue him, we focus our minds on him and the things above, that he'll begin to renew us and change us from the inside out. We'll be, begin to experience joy and victory and peace that maybe we've never had before. That we will be renewed in 2023 to walk in risen life. You see, as I said earlier in the message, the risen life is not just hope and security for our future, but it's joy, peace, and victory today. God promises us eternal life and life more abundantly if we seek after him and we focus our minds on him. And so I just challenge you to live in hot pursuit of Jesus and focus your mind on things above so that we can not just look forward to risen life, but experience risen life here and now today.